Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the Athelstead <coughs> District Council Planning Committee meeting for Wednesday, the 1st of June. Um, some housekeeping before we start, please. Um, all mobile phones should be silent. Um, we're not expecting uh, a fire drill, but if the bells do ring, please go out through the double doors and assemble on the grass circle. Uh, members, we are recording the meeting, so please make sure your microphone is on before you address the committee. Um, thank you. Uh, apologies for absence. Uh, I don't believe we have any, Adam? Uh, there's no apologies. Full house today, thank you. Any declarations of interest, members? Yes, Councillor Freeman. Yes, uh, Saffron Warden Town Council. Thank you. Uh, we don't have a Saffron Warden application on the list. Anyway. Still an interesting thing to declare, Chairman. Is it? Oh, okay. yes. Well, <laughs> let you be the judge of that. Yes. And the same for Councillor Fairhurst. And the Thank same for me, yes. Thank you very much. Okay, the minutes of previous meeting have been circulated. Uh, can I sign those as a true record, members? Thank you. I shall do so. Um, any matters arising, starting on page 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. Right, thank you very much. Um, before we start the business, two applications have been withdrawn from your agenda. That's the uh, item 4.1, Felsted and 4.3, Little Canfield. I hope there's nobody in the uh, building waiting to hear those uh, applications. Fine, so we'll move on then, please, to application 4.2, uh, which is 16 stroke 0775, which is an outline planning consent at Stansted, and Mr. Theobald will take us through the presentation. Thank you. Thank you, Chair. Yes, uh, this application is for outline uh, purposes only, so it's to establish the principle of residential development at Land at Water Lane, which members saw uh, this morning on their site visit. And it's for the erection of 12 dwellings where that would be split uh, for a quantum of eight houses and four flats or maisonettes. And for this outline application, matters of access and scale are to be considered, with the other matters of layout, appearance and landscaping being reserved to a uh, detailed stage. So members saw the site and the surroundings, the site context. Uh, uh, you walked down from the station, and hopefully this is familiar with you, where this is the site um, behind Braemar House, the B1 commercial, and adjacent to the attractive uh, terrace of Victorian uh, dwellings there. Um, just to show more context, you have the stream at the, the back and then rising ground to the, the north, which is uh, the fairly, well, very um, uh, high-density uh, Victorian development, wood fields and uh, sunny side. And then you've got uh, less intensive residential uh, to the west. And you've got connections through uh, to the station along Water Lane from the existing council estate uh, to the uh, south and also uh, from Forest uh, Park and the school further down. So this is just to show the, the footprint 
of the proposed development. As I say, and I would stress this is an outline application seeking the principle of development, so footprints can change and uh, other matters can be um, uh, also considered. And this is the, uh, the floor layout drawing I showed you this morning. And just to recap, at the moment they are submitted all as two-bedroomed residential units. Um, all will have, um, as shown, one car parking space per unit, where these are undercroft parking spaces. And then uh, similarly for the flats, maisonettes area here, you've got underground uh, surface parking here. As I mentioned, this uh, road, the, uh, the lane would be widened, as you can see, to allow for turning of vehicles to make it easier for resident parking. And then uh, you've got the amenity areas, which I discussed on site. And then connected with that, we've got this six meter band or strip running along the back to the stream, which would be required for maintenance purposes uh, by the Environment Agency. Um, and also, if in the event of an emergency, uh, they can come through here and then service this area here. Uh, at the moment, this is shown as vacant land, um, primarily to protect this tree belt here. But uh, again, it's subject to change in terms of uh, being indicative only. Uh, this is just a, a view showing what it could look like. Um, this is just diagrammatic. Again, I would stress this is not final detail. Um, it's showing the undercroft under parking with uh, first floor accommodation and also uh, second floor in the roof space. Now, uh, as the road slopes quite markedly down from the existing terrace, uh, Victorian terrace here, uh, this may or may not be truly representative of the the staggered blocks as you go down and that could be worked on at detailed stage later on. But as you can see, um, it is uh, partly to do with the flood risk, which I'll come on to, whereby they are echoing um, a previous scheme which was um, approved in 2006 for a similar style development. But that permission has now lapsed. Um, in terms of uh, matters to do with lifetime homes and so forth, uh, access to the, the dwellings, that would be a matter, again, for detailed stage. And that is an indicative um, street layout, street scene layout, showing um, how uh, it could be um, uh, representative with um, orientation towards the front in terms of balconies and uh, outlook. Uh, this is a tree protection plan. I showed you this on site as well. Um, this is the belt of trees along here and it is proposed to maintain as many as possible from the tree survey carried out which identified one or two of the trees which were in not such a good state. Um, but this would act as a, a tree screen as an additional buffer to the development at the front. Uh, just to uh, make you um, familiar again with the site, this is looking down the slope from the um, wall, I think, of the 
Braemar House car park into the site with, I think it's Sunnyside beyond uh, on the slope and that's looking back up towards the Victorian Terrace. I'll just run through these very quickly. Um, that's the car park to Braemar House. This is looking straight down the slope and uh, obviously self-explanatory. This is probably the best shot um, inside the site. Um, just to um, confirm again that the site is subject to contamination. Uh, I think it's worse at the top and there will be an updated remediation strategy with report to overcome the uh, issues that was highlighted regarding existing contamination from the gas works. That's looking uh, from the back to the front with Braemar House in the background there. And uh, just a few more shots. That is taken straight across from uh, the car park to Sunnyside. I think that may be slightly on a zoom lens just to emphasise, just to bring things into focus. And this is um, the approach to the site from at Water Lane from the station and so you be aware that it's a single track road and no passing places. There, is, there are two conditions recommended by Essex County Council Highways where they would require the developer to um, carry out a survey prior to commencement of development if approved and also post um, development if approved uh, to ensure that there was no uh, net um, uh, deterioration in the condition of the road surface. Just to summarise again, Stansted Brook uh, is uh, piped and culverted and uh, channelled. And that's it, Chairman. So this application is recommended for approval for the reasons set out in the conclusions to my report uh, with a Section 106 agreement in in consideration of affordable housing for this site because it um, uh, generates that requirement and also for uh, some kind of private management agreement to service the communal area at the back in association with the requirements of the Environment Agency. Thank you, Chairman. Thank you, Mr. Theobald. Um, we have two speakers on this application, and the first of whom is from the Parish Council, and it's Ruth Clifford. And you've got three minutes, Mrs. Clifford. Thank you. Good afternoon, Councillor Ranger and members of the Planning Committee. Um, I'm Ruth Clifford, I'm the Parish Clerk and I'm here to represent the views of my Parish Council. I would like to point out that the Parish Council is not against any development on this contaminated site, which has become a dumping ground for fly tippers, evidence of drug misuse because the site has been left insecure. But we object to this particular application on the following five grounds. First is overdevelopment of the site. The pre-planning advice to the applicant was for 10 to 12 dwellings and naturally wanting to maximise the return from the site, LandPro have gone for the 12. We feel the addition of four flats is a step too far and eight dwellings as terrace properties would be far more in keeping with the existing street scene in Water Lane. Second is inadequate parking provision. The provision of one off-street car parking space per dwelling does not meet your own parking standards. There is no evidence that occupiers will rely on public transport and it's perfectly possible in this day and age that couples living in these houses will each have a car. 
there is absolutely no way that Water Lane can accommodate any further additional on-street parking and neither can any of the surrounding narrow unadopted roads. Our third point is flooding and whilst we acknowledge that the Environment Agency has removed its previous objections, we are still concerned that there could be knock-on effects further along Stansted Brook. As a parish council, we are working very hard with the Environment Agency and the lead local flood authority to find ways to mitigate the flooding in Lower Street and Gall End, and we remain unconvinced that this will not exacerbate the situation. Point four is scale and potential overlooking. The planning officer recognises in his report that the likely effect of this development will be that of three-storey buildings rather than two and a half. This could result in overlooking of properties to the rear in Sunnyside, particularly as the back-to-back distances specified in the Essex Design Guide cannot be met. Our fifth is construction traffic. The access to the site, as you've seen, is very narrow and single track. And if consent is granted, what provisions will be made to ensure the safety of pedestrians and access for existing residents and businesses? In summary, whilst we all need to maintain a degree of flexibility and the Parish Council is not averse to any development on the site, we feel the applicant is asking for too many compromises and would ask you to refuse this application. Thank you. Thank you, Mrs Clifford. And our other speaker is the agent, Ian Riley. Due to have three minutes, Mr Riley. Uh, thank you for the opportunity to address the planning committee and for taking the time to visit this site this morning. It was much appreciated. Uh, as you've noted from the officer's report and the site visit, the site situated within the centre of Stansted, close to the train station and bus stops. Uh, Water Lane is, is uh, the site's on Water Lane, which is a well-used pedestrian link from the train station at town centre to the west and south of Sandstead. Sites currently overgrown and hoarding erected around the site has been vandalised. The Parish Council have sent me a letter advising that they, would, that they have concerns about the land and how it's being used by people in the evening with regards to unlawful activities taking place. Currently the site does not, have, uh, does not present an environment which I would describe as um, providing confidence and safety for the many users of the lane. And we all know that it's brownfield and contaminated. On, and on the northern side is Stansted Brook. The application uh, that we propose is outlined to establish the principle of being used for residential purposes. The application details that the site could accommodate 12 dwellings and we provide layouts and elevations to demonstrate this can be achieved. As an outline application, we have only sought to address access and scale. Pedestrian and vehicular access will obviously be gained via water lane and the scale of the buildings would be approximately 9 metres in height. This will keep them at the ridge level similar to the adjacent dwellings to the east and no more than was previously approved on the site. We have demonstrated successfully to the environment agency that the site can accommodate this level of development with, regardless, uh, with regards to the flood risk concerns. By virtue of its location in an established urban area and known contamination of flood risk issues, the site has a number of complex matters which have needed to be addressed. Uh, we have worked with the Council and its internal and external consultees through detailed pre-application and application process to ensure that we do not have any outstanding objections which would need to be resolved. The application provides for residential development in the centre of an established urban area on a brownfield site. This will help to maintain the Council's five-year land supply. Development would enable the market housing and a policy compliant level affordable units to be delivered. In providing housing, the proposal will clean up a known contaminated site which is adjoining Stansted Brook. The safety of the laneway will be increased for pedestrian vehicles and the lane will be widened along the frontage of the site to accommodate a footpath and the fear of crime which is associated with this site will be removed. Water Lane would benefit from passive surveillance from the site. The drawings which have been provided demonstrate that access to the brook can be maintained and the development can provide water quality improvements to ensure that flood risk is not increased elsewhere. 
Ecological enhancements can be built into the fabric of the development through design and landscape stages. And the application and indicative drawings detail 12 dwellings. And at this quantum, we can provide one space, one car parking space per dwelling, which I consider to be sufficient given the sustainable location of the site. There are no objections raised with consultees, and we note that the comments raised by local residents, which will be addressed through subsequent applications. The principle of redeveloping the site has previously been considered by the Council through planning applications and the local plan process, and the site has been considered to be suitable for residential development. I could just finish off then. Thanks. Um, in summary, the development proposal would result in a range of social and economic environmental benefits for the settlement. The guidance of the MPPF provides express support for the principle of redeveloping contaminated brownfield sites in urban areas to provide housing. Um, and I would suggest, and I've sort of got a feeling today there may be concerns about design and landscape and appearance. It's obviously within the gift of the, of the councillors to request that those matters come back to committee for consideration if they so desire. Um, but we would obviously continue to work with the council and, and the local residents to get them right. Thanks for your time. Thank you, Mr. Riley. Uh, now, members, you had the benefit of a site visit this morning, but uh, Mr. Brown has to hold his hand up and correct something he said on site. I thought Clive was going to take the opportunity of correcting his boss on, in public, but I'll do it for myself. Um, <laughs> um, on site, I said I corrected, uh, incorrectly, correct, incorrectly corrected Clive by saying that it wasn't eight dwellings approved previously, but it was ten. What I forgot to note was that the previous, if you look at the relevant site history on page 37, it does say that the original application for ten was refused. So the extant permission that's no longer extant is now lapsed was for seven plus one. So the extent permission was for eight, not for ten. So, so that's what the historical. But currently, there is no planning permission on the site at all, but historically, a permission for uh, uh, eight. But I would like to, can I just, while I'm on, just while I've just been reading the wording of the conditions, this isn't point scoring, this is just, just to clarify a couple of things. On condition six, the suggested wording condition six, it says following completion of the construction of the dwellings. To make it tighter, I don't think we should ever have anything that says completion of dwellings because there's always wriggle room potentially on that one. So I say prior, prior, you could either say within 28 days of the first occupation of the first dwelling. Um, then that then requires the after the aftercare of the of the road, and finally on condition nine, um, I think Clive was quite right in terms of saying a lot of this could come out in the detail stage. But for belt and braces, we are securing the reserve matters the provision of a wheelchair nominated unit. But I think we should also be securing the lifetime homes provision of all the dwellings that are coming forward as well. And we have a standing condition for that, so that's what I was going to suggest. Thank you, Mr. Brown. Okay, members, over to you. Right, I've got Councillor Lodge, Councillor Freeman, Councillor Fairhurst, and then we'll come back down that side. Thank you. Councillor Lodge. Chairman, thank you. I was quick there with the hand. I think on the whole, uh, I support the, uh, the development here. Um, it's obviously um, a, a troubled site, if you like, and a lot of the problems can, can be overcome. However, I think that the, ma the major point for me is that I do agree with the Town Council. I think this is an overdevelopment of the site. Uh, as we've just heard after a little, little, little bit of wrangling between the officers in a most friendly sort of way, uh, it was for seven. <laughs> Uh, plus one. I'm not quite sure what the plus one means. But my, my overall feeling is that eight is about the right number on here, and I think that fits in with the development. Um, if, if we were to take away the... Um 
uh, the flats, uh, it would be a development that I would support. Um, also, taking, taking away that would allow for, uh, for sufficient parking provision on there. And so I'm inclined to, to vote against it on, on the basis of overdevelopment, but I would support uh, the eight. Can I just make a, uh, a couple of technical-ish points if, uh, if, if this is approved? Uh, we've noted the issues with contamination and uh, there's a very disturbing uh, point on page 39 that the development may lead to sewage flooding which is significantly worse than any other kind of flooding I would think. So from what I can see the conditions uh, don't spell out that that survey has to be done to the, uh, to the satisfaction of, of the planning authority by, uh, by, by the waste authority. Uh, so the question is should that not be in and also a question is what provisions should we specify for the removal of contamination, which is obviously um, uh, essential. Thank you, Councillor. Um, Councillor Freeman. Thank you. Yes, thank you, Chairman. I, I was part of the committee that gave the consent in the first place to the 7 plus 1, so I was surprised when this came up that they hadn't been built, but obviously that's clearly the same site being represented. I agree uh, with my colleague uh, and also with the um, parish clerk. I think the number is too high. Uh, the original number was as good as it's going to get, I think, 7 plus 1 or even 8. Um, I notice with interest, Chairman, on page 39 that Thames Water is referring to a thing called a Grampian condition. Uh, I remember asking for one of these at Saffron Walden uh, on a site uh, which caused a certain amount of interest at the time, but it was, I think, followed up and granted or whatever. And the essential thing is that certain things don't go ahead. The, the site doesn't go ahead until certain conditions have been fulfilled. Can I suggest that a Grampian condition on the remediation of that land be offered as well? Uh, the reason why is that gas works normally uh, have a contamination with arsenic. Arsenic is incredibly persistent. That's probably the reason for the smell from the area. Uh, and at least it would mean that the hazard to the watercourse and the hazard to people living around there was dealt with early on in the process rather than having it spread around by site vehicles and the like. But otherwise, I would have no objections, Chairman, to um, consenting to a, a slightly smaller number of dwellings on this site. Uh, I think eight would be appropriate, and I would be, had no problems with that. I have problems with the number that is proposed here. Thank you, Councillor. Councillor Fairhurst. Yes, Mr Chairman, I tend to agree to a certain extent with my colleagues, except perhaps that I think that we are all aware of the, the flooding, the contamination and other issues which, which, which um, affect the site, and clearly the site has been ongoing for the last 10 years, um, and I suspect that we perhaps need to take a more robust view in terms of, of allowing the developer to proceed um, in order to get the site moving. So whilst I support the need for Grampian condition, and I also would, would, would suggest we look at a slightly lower number, I'd be more comfortable with a slightly higher number of perhaps 10 or even possibly more, if, that's the, if, if that is the need, need to justify the viability of the, of, the, of the project. Thank you. Thank you, Councillor. Councillor Lachlan, you are next. You were doing something else, were you? Oh, thank you. Well, uh, yeah, I also 
think there are too many. And, and I did have um, some other concerns. Um, one uh, particularly was about parking, because I noticed that officers at this time, and I think it's the first as far as I know, are ignoring Essex highways. Um, and because they said um, that they, uh, um, Essex have recommended that we should uh, do it in accordance with standards and officers have said no because it's in a sustainable location for transport but I don't think that's why I know it's next door to a railway station but people taking their kids to school uh, are not going to get a train Partly it's not on the route, and secondly, it, it, you wouldn't do that, especially in bad weather if you've got a young child. So I don't think it is particularly sustainable in terms of, uh, of, of transport. I think, you know, I can understand commuters, but not everybody commutes. There are lots of people that perhaps might work in, I don't know, say Manudan. You can't get a train there, so you would need a car. So I, I do think that's a bit of a red herring, and I, and I didn't like that. And the other one is uh, the flooding. And I did notice um, that uh, and on par paragraph 10.5, I believe, um, because Stansted has been known to flood, and in fact, not long ago, there was a huge flood in Lower Street, and I believe, Mr Chairman, you will remember uh, Mr Woodcock coming along with his big shovel to show you how he unsilted the brook at three o'clock in the morning or something uh, so we know that it floods uh, and I, I, di I did notice also that there is a, is it above above ordinance datum uh, that they have to be set no lower than 66.68 uh, as a mitigation uh, for flooding which actually sort of says well it might flood otherwise you wouldn't need to have mitigation measures so I do think that's a bit of a worry as well I also think it's overdevelopment of the site uh, and I know it's only an outline at the moment but at the moment, I can't vote for this at the moment for the reasons that I've just given Thank you, Councillor. Any other councillors want to? Councillor Mills? Uh, thanks, Mr Chairman. Um, I find myself agreeing with Councillor Fairhurst completely. Um, I, I do think it's overdevelopment. It's 0.12 of a hectare. That means at 12 units, it's 100 units per hectare, three times the normal development limit, um, if I understand things correctly. So uh, I also consider it to be overdevelopment and, and I am concerned about the parking but I'm also concerned with the fact that if they haven't got a certain number of units then this isn't going to be viable which is perhaps why it's coming back to us from 2005 when it was first approved um, so uh, I also find myself probably voting against this but would be happy with 10 if they could sort of instead of the masonettes fit it as a unit in the same way and perhaps therefore have visitor parking at the end. And in that way, we'd probably get one and a half spaces per unit, and they may well have enough value. I mean, obviously, if we're giving them three units on the Section 106, it's also taking a lump out of the cost of this, and it's just not making it viable. So it's a case of what will be acceptable in viability and what will get it built, because we'd like to get it built. So um, I'd be very interested if the developer could come into yourselves and readjust the scheme accordingly. Um, I can't see any other way with the masonettes, whether we do undercroft parking over the whole of that area, whether we get more parking in there, but I still think we're pushing towards overdevelopment, so um, I'm afraid I would be finding against this, but if it was 10 units, probably for it, and if we could perhaps relax some of the 106 agreement position. Thank you. Thank you, Councillor. Yeah, the, uh, the, the 
place we find ourselves in is that we haven't got an application for eight or ten to determine. We've got an application for 12. So we've got two choices. We refuse it or we um, approve it. Or I'll let Mr Brown paint a scenario for us, if I may, because he's got some tidying up to do on some of the queries that we've raised in terms of certain aspects of this. Mr Brown, thank you. Um, in no particular order, I pick out Councillor Freeman's point, first of all, um, requiring the recommendations for a granting condition. You're quite correct. That, that should have been picked up. So, therefore, there is, that would be a suggested condition in terms of contamination prior to development. Ironically, it's a, it's a staged issue. You have to actually have to start development in order to do the contamination. So, there is a standing condition we can put on there. Um, there's also an issue, the environmental health issue, of mixed up an issue about the noise impact as well which is not necessarily a problem. It's all down to how the, 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 the wellings are designed, which is, a, which, is a, which is a detailed issue. So once we get a reserve matters application in, then they would have to be designed in such a way to avoid noise impact from the railway line. So I don't think there's a necessity for a condition, but that would have to be done in terms of the actual details of the application as it comes in. Councillor Lachlan's quite right in terms of when she says that we are looking at an application of up to 12. So if members are approving this today, and I'm, I'm picking up the vibes, that, the general vibes here that members are feeling that's probably too many, and it's approved today, and then we have an application for reserve matters for 12 in sometime in the future, and you were saying, well, 12 is too many, I will be saying to you, that's too late, because you've already approved outline for 12. So what the, I don't think you should get hooked too much on the on the elevational detailing, but what this was an attempt to do was to show you that they could develop this site with 12 dwellings. And doesn't seem to have worked in terms of what I'm picking up, but that's down to the vote at the end of the day. If members are feeling that they feel that this is overdevelopment, that is a reason for refusal. But you need to go, overdevelopment, why? Is it overdevelopment because of character or whatever? You just need to leave that on to the next stage, and then we can, we can, we can do something with that. And I think that will lead either to a, an appeal, which is their statutory right, but I think there, are, there is an issue in terms of the numbers, both in terms of the scale of the development, as well as the maths in terms of how we to make it work. Because this is a, a challenging site in terms of contamination, as well as other things, and so there are things, things need to be worked out. So this could be giving you know, an olive branch refusal, potentially, if members it. But the only way you can negotiate this at this moment in time, I would say, was potentially to refuse it as overdevelopment. I don't think deferral, for instance, would, would actually do that a job. Um, but that is an option open to you, to you if you want to send that back to, to the to the to, but the member but our officers have been working with the developer on that point. So the options are either to refuse it for overdevelopment for a particular reason, something to add to that, um, and I think I think you could do that, or to defer it to actually no negotiations. I would suggest the former, but we're still as officers recommending this for approval. Thank you, Mr. Brown. Um, I. The thoughts I'm, I'm having on uh, the matter, yes, I think 12 is too many. Um, I think I, I don't buy into the lack of car parking, uh, not meeting the car parking standards because it's in a sustainable location. I think that's pretty pretty thin argument, and I would much prefer to see uh, the appropriate number of street parking spaces employed within the site. And on that basis, I think the permission that was given for 7 plus 1 um, would allow, if that came back as a scheme, would allow that to happen. I agree with Councillor Mills on that. And also um, on the affordable housing element. It, it is a site that needs doing. I think we've all expressed that. 
Um, and uh, I'm just, from the uh, applicant's point of view, to refuse it now puts another, what, six months on the, on the project. Um, and I just wondered, Mr Brown, if there were a reason, uh, a case for us deferring for further consultations on the content of the proposal. I think if you are, there's two scenarios here. There's simply reducing the numbers, which, and then pick up Councillor Mill's point, which may not make it viable. It would also reduce the amount of affordable housing on the site. So there would have to be a viability submission. So two months later, we then got a viability submission, and two months after that, we probably managed to address it. So it may take that long anyway. So, or you could do both. You know, the refusal with an olive branch refusal, so the, the, the applicant has got a statutory right to carry on an appeal against that, whilst we're still considering a, a revised scheme. Um, so there is an option of doing both. But I don't think a deferral in this case is not one of those ones you can defer to next month, because I think Councillor Mills is quite right. It's, it's going to open up lots of other things. It's right. a package issue, yes. Right. Okay, Councillor Freeman, uh, please come back, and uh, Councillor Lodge after that. Thank you. Yes, thank you, Chairman. It occurs to me that we could just remove the affordable housing requirement. That would significantly improve the viability uh, for the developer. And I learned the other day that a significant amount of our affordable housing actually goes to people from outside the district, which is a separate conversation to have. Yes, indeed. But even so, if we removed the affordable housing requirement from this site, then that would surely transform its viability. Uh, Councillor Lodge? Uh, exactly, exactly my same point. Not about people from out of the district, but uh, I'd have thought if we're looking for olive branches to get this developed, then uh, the, uh, the, f the fewer houses with uh, no affordable, I would have thought, could bring it into uh, doable territory. Councillor Lockman. Thank you. Well, it sounds like a developer's charter. I am not going to ever, ever... Uh, throw away affordable homes or any chance of them in this district and I would definitely not vote for it on that basis Would that um, oh, oh, there's the viability uh, issue there isn't there on the affordable I think, issue? I think Chairman I think there's a bit more science to it than just dropping the affordable housing. That, that's a valid point and you know, you've, you know, quite often you've got contamination and affordable housing and that could end up in the scenario but I think that it's more of a case of refusing it or approving it or, or refusing it with that indications. I mean, the, the developers here, he's heard the discussions in terms of, the, in terms of what's, what's out there. In terms of, it may not necessarily re result in the reduction in numbers. It could reduce the reduction in numbers. They could demonstrate to us that there, it is not viable with affordable housing. We could end up with a reduction in affordable housing properly put forward. But I, think, I don't think we do that really on the hoof. Councillor Hicks. Thank you, Chairman. <clears throat> um, I'm in agreement with a great deal of what my fellow committee members have said. Um, having seen the site this morning, I think it is um, very important to make the most of what brownfield sites we do have within the district. So it is important, if we can, to get this built. But um, I do um, agree very much with Councillor in about the... Um, uh, the parking situation, it seems to me that um, with only one allocated space for each dwelling, 
uh, she made the point that most families are two-car families these days. Now, um, the, what are we suggesting that the uh, residents are going to do with their second car? Is it going to stand on the road outside? Um, or are we going to rely upon the fact that we might, in, uh, given uh, the elapse of certain two or three years, and get Persuade Essex County Council to put a, a parking restriction along there? Because it is a very narrow road and um, a, a line of uh, four parked cars um, would create a, quite a considerable um, hazard. So it seems to me that, um, that, that the parking is, the key, is one of the keys to this and uh, if to achieve um, a greater area available for parking it means re reducing the number of units then uh, we have to try and encourage the developer to find a way to uh, reduce the number of units and provide more parking. So um, I, I think um, what uh, uh, was said earlier about um, uh, creating, uh, uh, but refusing, but with, um, with um, suggestions as to how the objections might be overcome would be the way to go. Thank you, Councillor. Uh, Councillor Fairhurst. Mr Chairman, um, we, I think we all agreed what we want to try and achieve here. Um, and we've run into a couple of issues, but my instinct here is to go back to what I first said. Let's look at the viability. We, we have guidelines to work within, and we understand the parking issues and the contamination issues and all the other issues. But here we have an opportunity to work with the developers. There's an outline application to work with the developer, look at the landscaping, make sure the contamination is done correctly. Sometimes we have to, to allow compromise even in the parking. And I'm going to propose that we accept the recommendations made by the officers in this case as they stand and work with them in the future. And that would have a condition for the contamination? All the things as, as exactly. Does that find a seconder? That's seconded by Councillor Freeman. So we'll go to the vote on that, that the officer's recommendation is accepted with the um, addition of a condition regarding the contamination remediation. All those in favour, please show. One, two, three. And against, please show. One, two, three, four, five, six. Fine, so that... Um, uh, uh, has failed, so we'll now need um, a proposal for a refusal, please, uh, members. Councillor Lachlan, and your reasons for refusal would be? It will be overcrowding of the site, lack of parking, and lack of amenity space. I know there is a, a communal piece of land, but that is not a back garden, and it is not private, and it is not in accordance with the Essex design guide. So I think we have three good reasons there. And so, that's, they, so they I, think would, I don't know what the policies are. I haven't got yeah, mine. They're all embodied in Gen 2, I think. Well, I can. all but one of those. I think you, you're basically saying it's overdevelopment because of the design of the proposal. I mean, I think that I would... Is size of amenity space. Um, I think the, the parish council also alluded to relationship issues between neighbours, all those type of things, because 
You're just saying it's just too many. Yeah, but I do, I do really want a lack of parking mentioned because mention that's parking, very important. I'm going to mention parking separately as well. Okay. So therefore, that would all be Gen 2. So therefore, it's overdevelopment because the other issue would be out of character. I don't think you can argue out of character. But, you could, but it's the relationship with the neighbours and it's the go. But there's also Gen 8, <coughs> which is the parking, lack of parking. Now, if it, if it was just Gen 8, then you could have deferred it and we could have gone back and tried to get some more parking. But it isn't just. But Gen 8 needs. So I would say we can do overdevelopment resulting in Gen 7, and it just doesn't comply with the, cap, the parking standards, and, and there's no justification for otherwise. That's what members are saying. Yeah, sorry. I, I, as I said, can I just ask you a question? Why did you go against Essex Highways? I thought I was having a nervous breakdown well, on, when I saw no, that. Well, on, sorry, on. On, on accepting the, on, on the car parking space. Yeah. Well, the, because the, the issue is, it is, it, is a car, it is a proposal in the centre of a town where amenities are within walking distance, and you're actually on a walkable through, so therefore to allow an under-provision of car parking in those situations is sometimes considered acceptable. Members considered it's not. So. Yeah. I shall remember that in future. No, but it's, it's a parking, matter of opinion. But parking, all, all is, parking is a planning and highway decision, not just a highway decision. Uh, but I think park, lack of parking is very relevant to this site. So we have a proposal for refusal quoting policies Gen 2 and Gen 8. Does that find a seconder? A seconded by Councillor Hicks. And we'll go to the vote on that then, please, uh, members. All those in favour of refusal, please show. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And against, please show. Uh, abstentions? Thank you. So that application is refused for those reasons. Thank you. The next application on the agenda is item 4.4, which is application 16-0735. It's an application for full planning consent in Great Hallingbury, and Mrs Denmark will take us through the presentation. Thank you. Thank you, Chairman. Right, this application relates to a site known as Swim Hall Park. Some of the um, members of the committee um, from the previous um, uh, generation of this planning committee have actually been to the site on the annual members' tour, so maybe um, familiar with it. Um, the existing buildings on the site consist of Swim Hall House, which is a Grade Two listed building, with its listed um, walled garden. And then we have a single-storey building here called the Priory, um, a two-storey building here which is called Chapel House, and another two-storey building here called uh, Brew House. Um, the, these three buildings here are all new modern development. And down here we have Femhall Priory Lodge, which has... Um, been converted to commercial. So the whole site is a commercial site. Adjacent to it, there is a range of listed buildings which are in separate ownership, but again, they also form a commercial site. Um, it's uh, located on the northern side of the B1256 and accesses via Berry Lodge Lane, which um, now terminates here because of the new A120 running along here. And so this access only serves Fremhall Park and Ramira House over here. Um, the site is a commercial operation which operates um, flexible floor space. So it, um, 
uh, for start-up businesses and it allows businesses to increase or decrease their floor spaces um, in order to meet their requirements. It's been a very, very successful operation and they now wish to increase the floor space and the facilities within the site. So the proposals relate to the erection of four new buildings. Buildings 1 and 2 would be located on the western part of the site, adjacent to the um, listed buildings which are in the adjoining ownership. Building 3 would be located in this area here, and Building 4 would be located on the um, wall, to the walled garden. Um, and then additional car parking will be required in this area here. Save you getting wet this morning. I took some photos on a nice sunny day. Um, so this is Chapel House, two-storey. And in the background here, you've got Fremhall House, which is three-storey. And this is the Priory. And this is um, viewed when approaching from the car park. So going round, so you've got the Priory in front of you. And this is um, the wall to the walled garden and, um, and then we've got the landscape area here. The whole site has very, very significant um, landscaping all the way around it and um, the area adjacent to the highway is actually covered by a TPO. The proposals don't, uh, won't affect any of those trees at all, although some trees within the site will be affected. This um, cluster of trees here, this is proposed to be removed. So this shows the area. Building 3 would be located in this area here, and then Building 4 would be located over there. Um, so this is the cluster of trees to be removed, and this shows the end of the walled garden. Uh, so this is the area for building three, and this tr there's a spindly tree on the end and, a and another spindly tree on the end here. They're both to be removed, and in the middle there's a nice tree which is being retained, but it's a bit hard to tell in that picture. So again, there's, there's the priory, and this is um, where we're starting to see Thremhall House. This is Thremhall House and the walled garden, and building four is proposed to go in this location here. And that's a view into the walled garden, um, showing you Femhall House. Um, again, location of uh, building four. And this is the view from inside the walled garden, looking out. And um, the building four would be the other side of this wall here. And it, the roof would oversail the, um, the wall um, and part of the walled garden. It's just view around the walled garden. These are the listed buildings in the, on the adjoining site and so we're now moving over to the western part of the site where buildings 1 and 2 will be located. So building 2 will be located roughly here and building 1 will run along the back of the site um, behind these trees here. These small trees here are to be removed to accommodate building 2 but the bigger trees either end are to be retained. So this is the site of building one, mostly running along here, and then building two will sit amongst the trees there. Um, again, the site of building one, looking back towards the building, so you've got uh, Brew House here, and Fremhall House is just off to the right. So there's Fremhall House, Brew House, and the uh, location of building two, and these are the build listed buildings next door.
This is where some of the car parking would go. Some of these smaller trees will also have to be removed. This is the area of car parking. Um, showing the existing car park. The line of trees that goes between the existing car park and the proposed new car park, they will be retained, but these smaller trees in the foreground will have to be removed. So just showing you around the grounds. So this is building one. This will be located near the small listed buildings, um, which are sort of more barns, traditional outbuildings. Um, and so this is taking the design of a barn, would be weather cla um, clad in weatherboarding, and um, plant can be accommodated in these bits on the top of the roof, and lots of glazing, and it has an adaptable internal floor layout according to what the requirements are for the tenants. This is building two. Um, single story and designed for a single operator, small business. Um, this is building three. Um, now this draws on the design concepts of both um, Chapel House and uh, Femhall House, but a more modern interpretation of it. Unfortunately, it doesn't come out very clear. Um, it comes out rather black, um, so it doesn't give it a very good impression. But it, it's a modern twist on the existing buildings that are on the site. And this also shows um, Building 4 um, and its relationship with Building 3. So Building 3 would have a cafe on the ground floor, um, some meeting rooms and some office space. Upstairs, again, office space and a gymnasium. Uh, the cafe and gymnasium would also be open to the public, so it's not just solely for the people within the complex. That just shows um, sections through Building 3. And this is Building 4. Um, now, the uh, accompanying listed building application, which we're not considering at the moment, but um, it also proposes to knock through four panels in the listed wall so that you can get through views through the building because it will be glazed, views through so you can see through to um, the wall garden behind it. And like I said, the roof will oversell the wall. And um, this would be used for functions, um, exhibition space and things like that. Um, and that's the roof plan and floor plan. The site is located outside the development limits and within the countryside protection zone and strictly speaking the proposals are contrary to policies S7 and S8. However, the MPPF also requires local authorities to have a proactive approach to economic development in rural areas. There's a recognised need for additional commercial floor space within the Uttlesford district, particularly for small and medium enterprises, and this site has already successfully served such enterprises. This additional floor space would make a positive contribution to that requirement and would build on an existing successful model. The site is reasonably in a reasonably sustainable location with access to bus services to and from the airport and Bishop Stortford. The proposals are well designed and minimise the environmental impact. There would not be any significant impact on the setting of the listed building and the public benefits arising from the proposals would outweigh any harm. The car parking provision is appropriate. It's maximum parking standards for um, the type of floor spaces proposed and there are no issues in relation to access to the site. 
There's no um, issues in relation to biodiversity. Now, initially in the report, there was an objection from the uh, Flood Authority regarding SUDS. Um, Hopefully you've seen the supplementary list of representations. The LLFA has now removed their objection, subject to extra conditions being imposed. And um, so subject to those um, conditions being added to the recommendation, the proposal is considered acceptable and is recommended for approval as set out in the agenda. Thank you, Mrs. Denmark. Uh, we have no speakers for this application, so members, it's straight over to you for comment and query. Councillor Mills. Thanks, Chairman. A uh, couple of questions. Um, the, you said that the listed buildings consent is not being considered at this time. Is that correct? It's the next application. There are two applications. There's a planning application which rel- relates to the whole yep, development. Okay, I got it. And then there is a yep, separate so the next building. One is one. Okay. Yep. Um, and I just want is the listed buildings officers happy with four holes through the wall and the building oversailing the top of the wall? Indeed she is. She thinks it's an exemplary design and she's very, very satisfied with it. In that case I have no problem then. <laughs> Councillor Hicks. Thank you, Chairman. Um, I've been reading the report uh, concerning Essex uh, County Council education uh, requirements, um, and uh, I understand from reading the report that uh, the officer has, um, uh, in their wisdom, decided that this was not um, based on uh, proper grounds and, in consequence, wouldn't be part of this decision. Am I correct in that? That's right. The um, Essex County Council requested an education contribution towards early years and childcare provision. Um, The applicant put forward a very detailed um, justification as to why they thought that that um, request was not reasonable and didn't meet the the tests in the SIL regulations. Um, I fully concur with that and um, therefore are not following uh, following through with the request for that money. Thank you very much. And having heard that confirmed, um, then, uh, Chairman, I, w- I would suggest that uh, this is an application from a, um, a, a business um, organisation which has um, developed this site in a very thoughtful and uh, um, way which is um, considerate of conservation matters and uh, that we, um, in my view, this sh- uh, application should be granted. Thank and, you. Uh, I'd like to propose that case. Thank you, Councillor. Does that find a seconder? Yes. Councillor Lodge, are you seconding? Yes. Yeah, did you wish to speak at this time? Thank you. Uh, Councillor Riles, did you wish to speak? I did. I just wanted to ask yeah. a couple of questions. Um, yeah. Can we flip back to the, the uh, building layout when you showed all the individual offices? Uh, uh, well, we, building uh, one. Uh, it might have been building one, yes, I think so. Just have a look at that. Um, okay, and then the next slide on, thank you. Uh, back, back one. No, the, building no, one floor plan. Building one, from, I, think from a, I think you call it a plan perspective. Floor plan. Down on it. Floor plan. Go left. No. No. Floor plan. Well, we'll uh, uh, yeah. yeah. I wanted to see the internal layout because I was just I was trying to work out how, how many individual offices are going to be occupied on that main building um, and 
Yeah. That's the sort of thing. Because I was trying to work it. Right, is that that's two floors, is it? There, there are 40 boxes, but that's not necessarily going to be 40 occupiers. Because they can. Because the they can take as right. much or as little floor space as they like. Right. And as per the design, you can put horses in the ground floor. Yeah. And, and is, there a, is there something to show that in relation to where the existing um, listed building is in the wall again? This is showing... Um, that's building four in relation to the listed building. Yeah. This is buildings one and two in relation to the brew house, but I haven't actually got a section going the other way. That's... Building three in relation to that's uh, Fem Hall House there, and this is Chapel House here, and the Priory here. Um, that is um, Fem Hall House. I'm, I'm just here. trying to see how close these new buildings are going to be to the. Yeah, the I haven't got building. one not, showing the relationship with the smaller buildings no. with with that. Because the you only one that see, seems to be. You will just see it um, as you as you're going along the road here. You will just see the top of this building over the top of the smaller listed buildings here but there's um, lots of landscaping between the two sites right but the, but the only building the only new building that's going to be close to the uh, existing listed building is the, the function room building three is that right building one Bu no the, the function room which has got the panels out of the wall yeah is that building one or is that, bu is four. that yeah. that's building yeah. four? Well, building four. yeah, that, that's building one, which will be on the western part of the site near the other listed buildings. Okay. I think I get it. I think. <laughs> no, am I going It was a bigger plan, wasn't there? Well, there's the, there's the bottom plan on this, on the, down there. Yeah, that's probably the last one. Whether you can is point that, out... Can we have a larger scale of like that? Buildings seem to be spread out sufficiently. All I was trying to assess was um, the impact on the listed building in relation with the new build. And from what I've seen, the next application is for taking out panels of the wall, which is part of the, the listed building. And I just wanted to see how that, that affected the listed building, this new, the new building, building four. Is that right, the function room? But you, ha you don't seem to have a... That's on there, that is on there, you can see it. It's, it's on the extreme... If you look at the main block... Yeah. With, with the tuning fork, you look to the right of it, there's a circular bit in the middle of the garden, then you've got, you've got that new building, that's, that's it. Hang on, let, let Karen point this out with her mouse. Yes, please, Karen. If you, shall I go back to the bigger map? about that? No, no, hang on, John. Right at the beginning, there was a large-scale oh, plan. There, there okay. Nice, clear picture for you. That's the one I was looking right. for. So this is the listed building. Yeah. Yeah, Fem Hall House. This is building one, yeah. and that's building two. So that's the barn-like building with um, the with removable the rooms, floor yeah. space. Yeah. And that's building two, which would be for one operator, yeah. because it's small. These are listed buildings down here. But there's sufficient gap between the listed building and these buildings and their design as outbuildings reflects the prominence of the listed building here. This, list, this building here um, will have, if you like, more of an impact 
in the, it's closer to well, it's not close. It's, it's close to the listed building, and it affects the setting of the approach. But what this has been designed so these buildings are all new build, um, and this has been designed to reflect the character and the approach of this building here, and then reflect it on the opposite side. But instead of copying it exactly from the um, 1990s, early 2000s design, what we have is a modern interpretation of it, which is supported by the conservation officer. Um, and so that building is intended to have the same sort of footprint as these two buildings combined, but it's been made into one block. And then this is building four, which would be on the listed wall. And that is the only one that physically um, is attached to a listed element and therefore directly affecting a listed building. The others affect the setting of listed buildings, but it's considered that the design approach that's been taken is very sympathetic and um, reflects the characters of the existing building. Okay, thank you. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I just was going to ask Karen a question. Did you say that you were going to put gaps in a listed wall? Yes, but that's the subject of the listed building application, which oh, is right. the next application to oh, be considered. Yep. I heard you say that on this one just now. Yeah. Right, any further comments, members? So we've got a proposal for approval, um, and that's been seconded. So all those in favour, please show. Thank you. So that matter is approved. And now we'll move on to the next item on the agenda, which is the listed building application 16-0736 in connection with the apertures being formed in the wall to facilitate the full effect of Building 4. And again, okay, Mrs Denmark will take us through. Thank you. Can I just ask if you give us a page number, Mr Chair? Page number is on your agenda on the uh, front of your paper copy that you have in your possession, Councillor Lachlan. Page 101. Now, you told me this morning you were granted paper copies. Then there's been a blip in the system because I haven't got it. 101. 101. It follows through straight after on your iPad that you've been following the previous application on it. My point exactly. I went back to look at something and then got lost, of course. Thank you. should make a note on, the page, on that pad you haven't got beside you. Right, carry on. Right, are we ready? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, again, this is for the same site and it relates purely to Building 4. So, the design is exactly as before, but in addition to the fact that this needs listed building consent because it's attached to the building uh, to the wall. Um, you, it also needs listed building consent to remove these four panels, um, which will allow the vistas through. Um, so the issues um, have been considered by the conservation officer, who supports the removal of those panels because she feels it will actually um, allow more of a public perception of the wall garden and um, the building. Initially, they wanted this building inside the wall garden to replicate a greenhouse-type building um, as, or glasshouse-type building, but we actually requested that they put it outside so that we retain the whole of the wall garden. So um, this design approach has been supported by the conservation officer, including the removal of the panels, and um, it's therefore recommended for approval. Thank you, Mrs. Denmark. Right, members, over to you. Uh, 
Councillor Lachlan, did you wish to say anything? Well, I wasn't, but I will now. Yeah, Thank I you. you would. <laughs> uh, well, I'm not sure I like the idea of a listed war being effectively destroyed. I know the conservation officer doesn't mind, but uh, I think if that were anywhere else, I don't think we'd allow that. So, uh, um, I mean, I wouldn't vote against it for that. And it's just a point that I want to make. I, I don't like the idea of, of a listed war. It's listed for obvious for historical reasons, and it can't be replaced. Uh, so, uh, no, I, I'm not in favour of that at all. So that's, that's my point. Thank okay. you. Thank you. Councillor Freeman. Thank you, Chairman. Um, the officer's report is remarkably silent on the salient points here. And the salient point to me is, I mean, we're dealing with a site of an Augustinian priory. Is this listed war part of an Augustinian priory, I ask? Maybe I haven't read the notes very carefully. But uh, if it is, then that is highly material. But on a broader uh, point, Chairman, um, I, I live in the old part of Saffron Warden, and you're not allowed to remove anything under any circumstances whatsoever uh, if it's listed. Not without Don't even think I about think it. So why are we, for the sake of a modern orangerie, um, summarily removing one, two, three, four, I suppose four, maybe five panels? Four. Nice to call them panels, because that implies, Chairman, that they can be taken out, but if we get fed up with it, we can put them back again. I don't think they are. I think they're presumably brickwork or stonework or something. Again, we don't know. I don't know. Uh, but the principle of summarily removing pieces of um, what I presume is an ancient wall, I don't know, uh, would seem to me to be a very bad one. And for most of us, if we attempted to do that, we'd be told in no uncertain terms, don't even think about it, go away. You know, come back with a revised application. So why should we make an exception here? I can see in architectural terms, in terms of grand design, why this is a very good thing. But once it's down, it's down. And once it's gone, it's gone. And I, I think that's not something that we should be supporting. Can I just point out that the wall is not listed in its own right. It's a curtilage-listed structure. Um, so it, it's not specifically listed in its own right so um, it doesn't have the same status as the hall building itself um, so that does have that has a very big bearing on the view of the conservation officer if this were listed in its own right then it may be that they wouldn't have supported the removal of the panels I can't speak um, on her behalf in respect of that but it is possible that it may not have been supported but because this is a curtilage listed structure um, the importance of the structure is not as high as the principal listed structure um, and the removal of those panels does enable um, a, a, an increased view through to the list to the walled garden, which is a very important aspect of Fremhall House. Um, so at the moment it's completely blocked off and no, no, really nobody can see it unless you're actually within the walled garden itself. So it's, it's a balance. It's a balance. Yes, but it does have an opening for gates in it. But there we go. Um, right, I've got Councillor Davey first. Thank you. Yeah, I, I agree with the officer's comments about the wall. It's, it's not a particularly uh, impressive wall when you come to look at it. I, I doubt very much if it's more than 150 years old, oh. probably. 
the wall, the original wall garden would have had a much bigger and more substantial wall than that, and that would have been for a vegetable garden, which this isn't. Um, so I don't really have a problem with the wall. I personally think that the uh, uh, building four is, is an exciting looking building. I think it's brilliant. And to blend it into a development like this, I think, is uh, really quite an attractive thing and, and an opportunity. And I would like to, uh, if it hasn't already been seconded, I would like to second the motion. I don't think we've had a proposal yet, have we? We had a proposal. No, oh, well, I'll propose it then. Fine, I, fine, propose, I propose the officer's recommendation. And I'll second that from the chair. Thank you. Uh, Howard, you were next, Councillor Riles. Uh, I think, actually, uh, my, uh, my colleague, Mr. Freeman here, colleague, Councillor Freeman, has probably summed it up. I don't like to see anything that is, is albeit listed in the curtilage, uh, being taken down. Um, I think that what's happening here is that um, rather than, uh, I, I think the offices, the, the uh, sorry, the function room is using the, this listed building in its uh, wall for its own purposes as opposed to what we should be doing really is keeping it separate and, and in still enjoying the listed building. I, I mean, I love everything else the rest of the, de uh, the development. I think Thrim Hall do a fantastic job, uh, but I'm just not that comfortable with knocking down something that has been there, even be for 150 years. I just don't think we should be doing that. So if we can find a compromise, then I'll be, I'll be happier. Councillor Fairhurst. Sorry, I'm just going to support exactly that. I think that, that, that uh, the problem with listed buildings of any kind is that they were never invented for the modern world, and so there's always a need to adjust to them and go around to find the entrance. So I would never support knocking down any part of a wall, even 100 years old. <coughs> Councillor Lockheed, you want to come back? Yes, if you don't mind. Thank you. Well, the fact that somebody listed it must have meant that it was important no, enough no. for it to be listed. Uh, uh, Mr. So, Brown, we'll sorry, clear uh, that point uh, for you. Yeah the, 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 yeah, the wall is not listed in its own right. It's listed by virtue of being a wall within, within the listed building. But I'm not... Um, I'm getting worried, slightly worried here. Well, yeah. <laughs> because I think this building... We're talking about... We're not talking about... And I've heard comments about what if someone else asked to do this and someone... No, I'm not interested in any of this. This is a particular application for the whole inner wall in this particular application. Now, usually when it's quite clearly says in the, in the government, in government advice that when you're talking about works to, in this situation, it's fundamental you take your advice from your, from your conservation officer. I know we've had positions here whereby we've had recommendations of refusal and we've had discussions about the public benefit of overruling their recommendation for refusal. We have a recommendation of approval here and it's not a balanced. It's, it's actually quite positive in terms of what it's providing. We would not stand... On appeal, we could not defend this. So what I would seriously suggest, if members are that concerned about this, that we take this away and defer it. Because I really don't... Bear in mind a major project has been involved in this. I'd, I would be very concerned if members were going to make an unsafe refusal on this basis and defer it to take it away to have another look at this particular aspect of it. During the initial discussions, um, like I said previously, they wanted the building inside the garden and it was the conservation officer's view was the retention of the walled garden and the layout of the walled garden as a whole as its own concept was more important than retaining the small sections of fabric of the listed wall so the, the walled garden itself being kept as it is 
is more important. So that's why we're supporting the proposal to take out these sections of wall, because it's the lesser value of the whole of the site. Right, Thank you. Sorry, you. Mr Chair, I hadn't actually finished. No, yeah, no, no, I appreciate that. Carry on. Can I carry yes, on? Right. Well, no, I was going to say, uh, in planning, we're always told you're not entitled to a view. So we're knocking down a listed, or well, taking panels out of a listed wall in order to have a view. So that's kind of contradictory. No, it's not. No, it's no. not listed, Janice. I know yeah, it's I, listed I within the curtilage, it's not listed. But I'm just saying, if that was somewhere else, if somebody wanted a view and you said that was listed, I'm not, I, I said initially when I, I wouldn't refuse it for that. That, but I think uh, members have a right to express their, their concerns, and that's exactly what I'm doing. Okay. Um, so I'm not happy that that, no. that yeah, is just yeah. being knocked about so someone just can look. Knock that view. And Karen can correct me, and then I think we can move on to the next bit. But <clears throat> you're right. If someone wants to knock down something that's listed by association to form a view onto something, well, you're right. That, that's an issue. But this is a pro producing what is basically a public building to provide a public view to something that is of merit. And it still will be uh, a, listed, a walled garden at the end of the day. That's the argument. It's slightly mm. different to the argument you put forward. But that's, we'll leave it there. Councillor Mills, you will... It's opening up the view to the important historic parts of the site. So it's allowing a view through to the listed building and it's allowing the view through to the walled garden, which is far more important than the, than the wall itself. So it, it's allowing a greater public perception of the important heritage assets with the loss of a small bit of not-so-important heritage asset. Your microphone's not on. Yeah, no, so we're sounding a bit like Game of Thrones with the wall, and I don't you do know. Game so of I think I might. Sorry, don't you? Don't, no, oh, no, you don't no. know what you're missing. I don't, I don't do great. I don't well, do John Snow was killed over no. the wall, you know. That's Excuse very important. Excuse me, I haven't no. got to that episode. I'm watching it most nights at one o'clock in the morning <laughs> sorry, with I my son. So right. please don't spoil it. Let's move um, on. Councilor anyway, let's move on. Let's continue with Councilor the planning Mills. rather than uh, yeah, Game of Thrones. Yes, thank you, Mr. Chairman. Having worked with the listed buildings officers for 20 years or so here and knowing how pedantic and difficult they can be, if they are in a favour of this, then I can only support it because uh, they've always upheld wherever things needed to be upheld and I'm sure that they see this as a valid reason. And I think the architectural merit of the design of the building as such and opening up the garden in this manner sort of supersedes the requirements okay. of perhaps protecting something that uh, doesn't necessarily have the required merit. So uh, oh. I shall be supporting it. Thank you. Mm. Councillor Chambers, haven't heard from you on this matter. <laughs> Mr Chairman, I was listening very carefully. Oh, I'm sure um, you will. The, the, the relevant point to me is if it was a listed wall, that would be different altogether. But it's not a listed wall. It's a listed property... But the wall is not listed, and I entirely agree with Councillor Mills. If there had been any problem at all, they would have said no. So okay. it's quite straightforward to me. We've just approved the, the buildings on there. We should approve this one too. Any other comments? Councillor Freeman, are you going to come back on that? Yes, very briefly, Chairman. Thank Please. you. Um, I think we're trying to fit the definition of what is listed and what is not listed to actually um, comply with their recommendations. I think that's wrong. I can see the argument of a castle. Take Bamber Castle, for example. Well, 
if I be. Well, so well, do I. Well, well, we're not if talking about Bamborough Castle. Well, we're well, talking about okay, Trenhall Priory. Take, take a simpler one, south of Warden Castle. Uh, I can see the argument where you take down a section of a wall in a castle so you improve the view to the people visiting the castle. That wouldn't be a valid argument. It would be a completely specious argument. And I think we're... I, I can't support this. I don't okay. accept the argument that a piece of a listed property is not itself listed. That is completely untrue. The whole thing is listed, unless it's specified to be otherwise, and it's not specified to be otherwise here. So as far as I'm concerned, you're taking out a piece of a listed property, and to me that is unacceptable. Okay. Well, we have a proposal for acceptance, and that's been seconded, so we're going to go to the vote on this. So all those in favour of approval, please show. Refusal? Did you approval. Say? Approval. Thank you. One, two, and those against? Two. Uh, abstention? One. Thank you. Well, that matter is approved too. Thank you very much. Um, we're going to have a five-minute comfort break, members. Thank you.
Can we uh, recommence, please, officers and members? Item 4.6 on our agenda. Application 16 stroke 0467. This is an application for full planning consent at Manuden. And Mrs. Stevenson will take us through the presentation, please. Thank you, Chair. The application site comprises part of the residential curtilage of Limal and is located uh, to the north of the YouTube Public House in Manijan. It's outside development limits and within the conservation area. The River Stour runs through the site, which is situated within floodproof zones 2 and 3. This is an application for the erection of a three-bedroom dwelling, which will front Pinchpools Road. The existing access will be retained and used by both the new dwelling and the host dwelling. This is the fourth application on this site for a dwelling. The previous three haven't been withdrawn because the applicant wasn't able to overcome environment agency objections. Garden sizes for both proposed and host dwelling will meet the standard as set out by SIT's design guide. It's accepted that the site has room to accommodate the required parking provision in accordance with the adopted Uttlesford parking standards. The proposal will have no detrimental impact on the amenity of neighbouring residents and there are no objections on highway or ecological grounds. Notwithstanding this, the proposal is considered to be unacceptable because it would detrimentally impact upon the character and appearance of the conservation area by introducing new development which will affect views into and from the conservation area contrary to policy ENV1 of the Office of Local Plan. In addition, the flood risk assessment submitted with the application doesn't comply with the requirements set out in paragraph 9 of the Technical Guide to the National Plan and Policy Framework. The submitted flood risk assessment doesn't provide a suitable basis for assessment to be made of the flood risks arising from the proposed development, which is contrary to European policy GEN3 of the Atlas of Local Plan. The proposal is therefore recommended for refusal for the reasons as listed on page 116. Thank you. Thank you, Mrs. Stevenson. Uh, we have no speakers, uh, members. I'm just trying to find my page. Right, okay, so it's over to you for comment and uh, query. Anyone can start the ball rolling? Right, I'll, I'll start then. Um, this is uh, for our determination because it is felt to um, the impact on the conservation area is a salient uh, point to, for us to concern, be concerned about. Um, from our opportunity we had today to visit the site, um, I wouldn't, my own personal view is I wouldn't have thought that it would have a detrimental effect um, considering the proposed design. I thought maybe that would fit in quite nicely. Um, outside development limits, yes, but it's um, that on itself is not something that uh, concerns me over much in this situation because I find it difficult in that situation to see where the line should should be drawn. Um, if there are a house there, would it would it predetermine you know redetermine the line? I, I'm not sure of that. I'm confused on that one, but. Um, on the whole, I'm feeling quite supportive of it, um, so I want other members' feelings, please. Councillor Fairhurst. Mr Chairman, I, I, was, I agree with you entirely. We went there, it looked very nice. I would certainly build a house there, and I think it could actually be in keeping with the whole um, pastoral scene and the trees and everything. It would be a very nice place. Thank you. Uh, any other members want to comment? Councillor Hicks. 
Thank you, Chairman. Um, <clears throat> my first reaction, having seen this site, was, I, like you, I felt there was no particular objection to having a, a house in that uh, location. But um, upon uh, reflection, I'm, uh, this council does have a, a very strong um, policy regarding um, build in the countryside where it is not necessary. Could this house be somewhere else? There, there is, I can, as far as I can tell, no particular need for this house to be built in that particular location. Um, and so if, uh, if our policy is to be consistent, then I think um, we, we had to say we can't see a good reason to allow it. Otherwise, we'd be allowing uh, one-off builds in all, on all sorts of parts of the district. So um, I, I think I'm against it, Chairman. Yeah. Thank you, Councillor Hicks. Any other views? Uh, Councillor Freeman? Yes, thank you, Chairman. Um, that's a lovely road. It goes over to, I think, Rickling Green, and uh, in summer it's a gorgeous trip to take. And the thing about it is it's very rural. Uh, you go over the bridge past the uh, yew tree inn, and suddenly you're in green, and it's all very nice and lovely. Um, but I don't accept that Uttersford District Council is very good at protecting the countryside. It's perfectly happy to build on fields when it suits around towns, and where I live, there's plenty of examples of it. Um, so I, I don't regard it as being, I regard it as being rather partial in terms of its protection of the countryside. Um, in terms of this, uh, the actual dwelling that's proposed, if, sorry, is this um, an outline or? No, it's full. It's full, okay. So that dwelling is quite an acceptable sort of dwelling for that location. It's the sort of thing which, if it was two or three hundred years old, we'd pay a lot of money for. Uh, and it would certainly be listed. Um, so that's quite nice, and I don't think it would damage the sense of place. It would, however, damage the sense of place it would made bigger, so I don't have any problems with this. I would uh, be happy to consent it, but I would like to put some sort of limitation on the development of that house into a bigger house, what people love to do. They buy a house and then they double the size of it. And if there was some way you could restrict that, that would be a very good thing. Permitted development rights, perhaps, Chairman. Remove them, take them away, don't need them. You know, that would help. So, uh, uh, but certainly development in the countryside, I, I haven't noticed this embargo on the development of the countryside. Perhaps I'm obviously living in the wrong place. But there we are, thank you, Chairman. Thank you. I'm going to ask Mr Brown to uh, help us out here because I'm looking for a definition of how many bedrooms this dwelling might have. Um, Mr Brown, thank you. Well, first, the answer to that question is three. But I think members need to make... There's two, members need to realise there's two refusal reasons here. Um, one is a matter of judgement and one isn't, <laughs> to be quite frank. The first one is members have been out there and I think you've done enough in terms of a site visit to assess for yourselves in terms of the impact of that proposal upon the conservation officer and on, the con on the conservation area and in terms of the countryside. If you feel that is satisfactory, then you're just dropping refusal reason one. Refusal reason two is a very, it's not a technical refusal, it's a very important refusal reason. We had a lot of discussions on the very early cases regarding the first one. It wasn't rejected for flood risk, the one in Stansted, it was rejected for other reasons. But on that particular case, very important flood risk assessment stuff was put in and properly assessed. This hasn't happened. 
on this particular application. So even if you are in a position to conclude that it is acceptable in planning terms, I would really strongly urge you to refuse it simply for that second reason. The applicant has been trying to overcome that issue since 2014. That's when the planning is earlier than that potentially in terms of overcoming it. Now it's a question of either they can't overcome it or they can but they haven't done it. So I'm using the word olive branch quite a lot here. So if members are mindful to, to allow this development in the open countryside and allow the technical beat, I would rec strongly recommend that members still recommend refusal but potentially drop refusal reason one. Now that then would mean that the applicant then can now again off and sort off their flood risk assessment knowing that they can sort it out and if they sort it out, they've sorted it out. If they can't sort it out, well, it's, a seriously it's a serious issue that I don't want that to be... Not, excuse my, I don't want to throw that one out with the bathwater, to put it bluntly, in terms of if members have got this consideration that they think this is an appropriate site for a, for a development, I don't want the, the very important second refusal reason to be lost. So I, I would really strongly urge you not to approve it, but possibly if you're strongly acceptable just to drop refusal reason one. You can drop your hand, I've got you. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll, keep yeah. Nod, I'll keep nodding yeah. too. Yeah. Councillor yeah. Lachlan. <laughs> Thank you. Um, well, I mean, I know you've given quite a lot of advice today, Mr. Brown, but could you please, could we actually condition that so that it couldn't be built without that, that being sorted out? No, you couldn't. Why? Because you're accepting the principle of a development where it can't be overcome in terms of flood risk. So you're actually approving this house that could potentially be causing A, a flood issue, or be affected by a flood issue. It's such a fundamental issue. And we'd also have to write a letter to the Environment Agency while we've overcome. They are one of the very few statutory consultees that we get where there are implications if we, if we go against their recommendation of refusal. Um, it's a holding very... This could be something that's very easily overcome simply by doing a flood risk assessment properly, or it could be something that's so fundamental it can't be overcome. I'm not a drain engineer, I don't know that, but we've got a very strong holding objection from the Environment Agency. Okay. But I think by dropping condition of refusal reason one, I'm still not recommending you do that, but members can decide that, you are making quite a big jump for the, for the applicant in terms of how they want to move this on. But it does say, sorry, I have to put my glasses on here, our objection can be overcome by submitting an FRA which covers the deficiencies highlighted above. So why can't you condition that that be done, uh, you know, that the environment agencies, that the environment agency has said. I'm just asking, yeah, why not? The over, by submitting a flood risk, could be overcome by submitting a flood risk assessment. And that would result in either the, a, a sufficient flood risk assessment could be submitted, which basically overcomes the objection, and then you'll, you'll result in a list of objections, or it couldn't. And if it couldn't, then it is a refusal of planning permission. And that's, that's the problem. It's, it's, it's literally what you submit determines whether or not planning permission could be granted or not. So it's, a, it's quite fundamental in terms of that. Am I allowed to come back? Do, do you yes, mind? of course. Yeah. Right. Uh, the ha is, would it be the house that would flood? Or is it going to affect other properties? 
Well, the other properties will be affected if there's a flood, but this one but, well, you would, see, would be at but, risk. Though, therefore, you should not be approving it if you haven't got the mitigation or the uh, assessment in place. No, but Manudan actually often floods. It was so badly flooded further up the road that they had to knock the house down yeah, and rebuild it. Yes, but we're talking so, about the addition of another property, putting another property at risk, which you can't do with the hand on your heart. You shouldn't be doing, should you? Well, if the person that's living there is willing to take that no, no, chance... No, 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 you can't say that. No, honestly, well, there's, the answer to that question is two. First of all, it is both. It is both the people living in the house and the people living away from the house. And if it's the person living in the house and you approve a house which then results in them being flooded, believe it or not, that's our fault, not theirs. Okay. Right, I'm going to... I had Councillor Freeman, then I've got... Councillor Fairhurst... Councillor Chambers, Councillor Mills. Thank you, thank you, Chairman. Um, yeah, okay, we'll all have a shot. Everybody, right, okay. <laughs> Briefly, Chairman. <laughs> when everybody's settled down. Yes, um, Councillor. Okay. Uh, obviously, flood risk assessment, good things, wonderful to have. Um, you know, I think they're really good, like passports. Um, but we're not consistent on this, or maybe we are, but again, within the town I know best, there is a house dwelling being built right now on the car park of the old wagon and horses in East Street in Southern Walden, uh, and it's in a 100-year floodplain, uh, and it's right next door to the Slade, which floods regularly. It's a, a flat, flash floods regularly. Uh, and that house is at risk. It's a brand new house. I haven't seen whether they're going to put any barriers up to flooding. It's still being built, and I haven't seen the plans. But it's a no-brainer that it's the worst place to build a house, and it's right in the middle of the town, right next door to an area that floods regularly, uh, next door to one of the slades, one that runs past the common. So it seems to give the lie to this. I mean, I saw the stream, and actually I wouldn't build a house there because it's too close to the stream. But neither would I believe a flood risk assessment because I don't think they're worth the paper they're written on, quite frankly. They don't take adequate account of the prevailing conditions. But I agree that we need to have a flood risk assessment before we can grant consent. Otherwise, it's their fault. I fully accept that. So I'm perfectly happy for us to turn this down on the basis that they haven't come back with their bit of paper. But the bit of paper, in my view, is worthless. Uh, and is evidenced by the things that we allow or they allow elsewhere within this planning area. Um, but, you know, if we have to have it, by all means, let's have it. It's a good reason for turning it down. Is that a proposal? Um, hang on a minute. Let's go. Uh, Councillor Fairhurst. Mr Chairman, yes, I think I, I, um, um, Councillor Freeman has said all I wanted to say, except that, that the, uh, the suggestion made by, by Mr Brown is that we, we offer an olive branch rejection based on insufficient documentation or, in, or, or an inadequate FM, FRA. Um, my concern is why are we sending it back for work to be done when this is a resolutive condition? Surely um, a, 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 an acceptance or rejection based on resolutive condition is simply that. If we say yes, we agree, we, we are not rejecting it. We re sorry, we are, we are suspending or deferring or something because the FRA has been re received that will be more efficient than saying we're rejecting. Well, we are rejecting it, but, okay, can I just add something here? If we refused it as per the officer's recommendation, we're going to say, well, go away, sort out your flood risk assessment, do all you need to do, 
and then we're just going to still refuse it because it's the outside, outside the open countryside, blah, blah, blah. So I think the issue is what we're doing here, we are still rejecting it. We're still rejecting it. But what we're doing is saying if they are confident that they can sort out, and I do disagree with Councillor Freeman's views on fraud risk assessments, but even if you take Councillor Freeman's argument to continue it, it is just something that they need to do in terms of documentation, then they can do that documentation. It is the only reason for rejection. And so, therefore, if that's where we end up. So, therefore, we're not going to then suddenly say, well, you've sorted out. So they can be quite expensive pieces of work. They can be carried out. They can be sorted out. But then they then know that they've got planning permission if they can overcome that particular objection. But it, it is clear advice from the Environment Agency that it is a holding objection. It is, it is actually objecting to planning permission being granted. And we do need to take that very seriously. And that is not the scenario that we have had in other scenarios. We have had very challenging applications right next to rivers where you would say, why would you allow houses there where there have been very fundamental flood risk assessments being assessed and submitted with very strong conditions attached to that, which has overcome that particular problem. That's may where we get here. It may not be. It may be get to the point where it's not overcome. But engineering solutions can be overcome. But it may affect the design of the house. The house may have to be changed. The house may have to be increased in size to accommodate the flood risk assessment. It may have to be raised, all sorts of things, but we haven't got that information. And by approving this house in this permission, the flood risk assessment coming up behind it, even if that means the principle's okay, the actual house can't be built in terms of what we've approved. And so we're having a bit of cart before horse here in terms of how it works. Councillor Chambers. Thank you, Mr Chairman. Uh, Mr Chairman, I think, um, if I might be so rude, I think Councillor Lachlan has answered it for me. The proposal put forward here is entirely within the policy of the Council, and she has said that Manudan is subject to flooding. So as far as I'm concerned, that is the argument. Once you have the proof that you can put a house there, that's fine, but they haven't got it. Simple as that. I'd like to propose refusal, please. Thank you. And that's seconded by Councillor Davy. You can speak on this now. Councillor Davy, certainly. Uh, yes, uh, <coughs> Mr Chairman. I know this bit of road. Uh, I know Manydon, And I've been down there in my little Renault 4 and had to get out and paddle away from it and leave it behind. It does flood there. It floods badly. And I, I would be very happy to second the motion. Right, thank you. Councillor Mills, you want no, you, you're not speaking. Anybody else wish to speak? Councillor Rars. Um, doesn't the, have we missed the point that this has been sub submitted three times previously, that it doesn't comply with the um, flood risk assessment? It's been withdrawn three times recently. It hasn't been decided upon. Okay, sorry. Right. Okay. Well, if I, if I was in the applicant's position, the one thing that I can get round is, is the flood risk, because as Nigel's clearly said, you can engineer all sorts of different ways around it. The point that's stopping this is the fact that it's, it's not, it's not a, allegedly um, suitable in this area. So once we say, okay you can go back with the olive, olive branch as long as uh, you can get your flood risk. This chap might want to spend, I don't know, 10 grand on getting some, a decent flood risk assessment through that would be uh, applicable. So as far as I'm concerned, I, I think that um, I'm not comfortable with the way that it's been applied. Um, or I, I, I'm just not comfortable with it, and I think we should reject it on that basis. I think there's, there's a bit more to it than just maybe I'm not, express, I'm not explain, explaining myself very well. But I just think that I would, if I was in his shoes, I would have made sure that I've got that, I, I would do, I'd find out how much that flood risk is going to cost. And then the one thing that could be turned down would be on the fact that its appearance in the countryside. And once I've got past that, 
then I would now I go for that and then I'm there. I'm home free. Does that make any sense? Try even. Yeah, because of the engineering. So we, we have a... Oh, sorry, Councillor Fairhurst, yeah. Yes, Mr. Chairman, I think what has been proposed in second at the moment seems to be purely a rejection on, the one and, on point one and point two. And the, and the alternative suggested by Mr. Brown was that they'd be rejected exclusively on point two, giving the applicant a chance to rectify point two. So I would strongly suggest that we reconsider this, because if we vote for the, 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 the motion on the table now, they've got to go back to the drawing board on both counts. I'm going to have a word with Mr. Brown. How do we go on a, the, the point of trying to determine whether the committee is in favour of it being there, assuming that a blood risk assessment would have been okay? Well, what members are basically saying, well, I think the I think pick up Councillor Fairhouse's point is the, I think the, the proposal is to accept both refusal reasons, yeah. and that is still the recommendation of yeah. officers. But if members are of the feeling, and that's picking up some of the members around the table, that they haven't got an issue with the open countryside stuff, you would therefore say we haven't got a problem with that. So you're basically striking refusal reason one out, but you're still saying it should be rejected because of the flood risk assessment. So that is, you know, you, all you're doing is refusing it just for refusal reason two, which obviously becomes refusal reason one, and that's what it is. That's all you're doing. You're refusing it for a different reason because each refu you have to accept. This is difficult because quite members very rarely deal with refusals of planning application around this committee, and so. But you can just look at each, just like you look at each refusal reason, and say we don't actually agree with that refusal reason. And so, so. Okay. So, so we could go to the vote on the proposal as it stands for refusal for those two reasons. Yeah. And if, yeah. members, re if yeah. members reject that re proposal, you're not actually, the automatic is not to go back and approve it. It no. may be to go back and approve it in a different form. Right. Okay, so we're going to go to the vote on the proposal to accept the recommendation refusal with the two given conditions. Okay, all those in favour of that refusal, please show. And those against? One, two, three, four. Any abstentions? One. No, sorry. Um, She's abstaining. I didn't get my hand up. So the application is refused for the two reasons given in the officer's report. Can we do that again? Yes. Five and five. <laughs> five and five? I thought it was five and five as well, yes. What's your casting vote then? Right, so we've had a, a tied vote then on that recommendation for refusal. So my casting vote is that I'm against that refusal on the two conditions as stated. So I'm now going to propose <coughs> refusal on taking out condition one, or reason one, sorry, reasons, not conditions, on reason one and refusal on reason two alone. Does that find a seconder? Yes, it does. Councillor Fairhurst, thank you. So let's go to the vote then, please, on that proposal to refuse this application based on reason two, the flood, flood risk assessment problems. All those in favour, please show. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, uh, are you unanimous? No. Wait, uh, and against? Against one. One. So is that... 9-1, fine. So the application is refused on the basis there is insufficient flood risk assessment information. Thank you, members.
Okay, the next item on our agenda is item five, planning applications, planning obligations. Um, they are listed in your uh, report members, in your documents. So is there any comments, any queries you need to raise with the officers? Uh, sorry. Page 119. Councillor Freeman. Yes, thank you, Chairman. Um, uh, Mr. Brown knows about this already, but um, it's a matter which has been ongoing. It's item 10 on this list, Chairman. Uh, application 3768 Persimmon Homes, Essex. And the site is land to the west of Lyme Avenue, Saffron Warden. Um, this is uh, a fairly complicated Section 106 agreement, Chairman, um, delivering two playing fields and various other vital things, as well as £100,000 payment to the uh, Town Council, none of which so far have happened, um, despite the fact that the, uh, a lot of this stuff has been done. I may not be referring to the right location, but of course Persimmon Homes is active in more than one location in the town, uh, but it does need to be dealt with. Uh, and... It implies here on the 27th of April it was, uh, in which case, good. But can we have an update on the situation there? Because thus far we certainly haven't seen £100,000. We certainly haven't seen a couple of playing fields to sport England standards. And we certainly haven't seen uh, a load of other deliverables on this Section 106 agreement. So what's the situation? First of all, to point out your first point, it, that one doesn't actually refer to that one. That one's the one that members have approved... Was that last month or maybe? Yeah, that was two months back. Members mm. approved planning permission for the other development on Limes. Sorry, that, I can't hear you. Yeah, members approved another development on Limes Avenue for the same developer, and that's what that 106 is all about. Mm -hmm. But I know which one you're referring to. Um, the one thing I do disagree with you with, it's not a complicated one at all. It's a simple one. It is when it get, a development gets up to a certain point, the developer had to transfer the, the football pitches across yeah. with some money, and they've got to that point in my opinion, so therefore we need to be chasing it up. We're not, we're not asking it to be magicked out of thin air and suddenly be done. We do, you want a time frame of when that's going to be provided, and I will be seeking that from Persimmon, and uh, I will make a point of doing that over the next week or so to go back to Persimmon to seek when we're going to be getting that. But thank you, Chairman, but um, it's not just a question of passing over a couple of pieces of land and saying, there you are, there's your no. playing fields. They have to be to Sport yeah. England standard. They are not to Sport England standard. We will not accept them unless they are to Sport England standard. Simple as that. Yeah. We've had to accept in the past, Chairman, um, playing fields which were totally unacceptable and then spent a lot of money putting them right ourselves. Of course, the developer hadn't actually taken them to the point agreed in the Section 106. We don't want to do that again. No, sorry, I agree with you. It needs to be up to a certain standard, and they're not playing fields. They're actual football pitches of a certain standard, and so therefore that's how important they are. So I do agree. I do agree with you. Yes. Okay. Any further, Mr. Councillor Lachlan? Thank you, um, David Wilson Holmes. That's uh, three one four five. Number. Oh, number five. Yep. Yeah, that's um, Elsinum. Land north of Stansted Road, Elsinum. Five. 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 Oh, sorry, number yeah. five, yeah. Thank you. And it says applicants have not replied to requests for undertaking as to costs sent on the 19th of February. That does seem 
quite a long time but they haven't replied um, and can you, as these are 106 agreements what, what does it mean by costs please uh, do, you want me to, yeah, do you want to do your bit I do, I'll pick, let Christine get in because that, I've got an update on that one as well because that one is that one is extremely complicated um, members will recall we've actually got two things going on, on the same site this is the David Wilson home site north of Alsenham Road First of all, there was a request. Members will recall a, one, uh, a request to vary one of the conditions that required them to delay the closing of the road or closing, making sure they did the roadworks before they started development, and they moved, wanted to move the trigger back. Um, and that was because you had um, David Wilson Homes right opposite Crest Nicholson. Ironically, in the time it's taken the 106 to be sorted out, and there's no criticism of our legal team here at all. The Crest Nicholson proposal has got its planned permission and has started, and the roadworks have actually been carried are being carried out. So there is no need for that planning application and the variation of condition anymore. So therefore, that application, to be honest with you, needs to be withdrawn. But there has been work carried out by a legal team, so quite rightly, they need to pay our legal costs of the work that's been carried out, which is abortive costs, but it's still work that, that Christine has carried out. Added to all that, members will recall, was it last month or the month before, we had another request from this particular one, a legitimate request for them to change uh, the tenure of the houses, which requires a deed of variation. So it's the same 106, but it's different work that Christine has to do. So um, it will be sorted out. But I would say that that application would ultimately be withdrawn and the deed of variation that we need to be carried out needs to be sorted out and the legal team, quite rightly, need to get work, money for the work that they've carried out. Uh, there's nothing left, is there, on that one? Of, of course, we don't have an undertaking here, but, but we can uh, you know, lean on them uh, as regards the um, one we're doing at the moment for a deed of variation, because um, it's all tied in, really. Yeah. Any others, members? No? Yes, Alan Mills. Oh, carry on then, Mr Mills. Councillor Mills. Very quickly, um, I just wondered if there was any update or legal status on the Bloor homes at Flitch, on the Flitch with the 100 units that they're currently building, uh, whereby all the play equipment had to be in place before they could build any houses, and obviously the play equipment's all been removed and they're continuing to build houses. So if this is in breach of a 106 agreement, I just wanted an update on where we are with this. On the Flitch? Yeah. It's on Flitch Green. On Flitch Green? Yeah, Flitch Green. It's brought up at the full council I have no instructions on breaches of uh, um, 106 agreements. The only, uh, the only one I had, uh, we got the payment very swiftly. <laughs> Sorry, this may be a discussion we need to have out the meeting, but the fact is, so that was, yeah, I think this is probably a discussion we have. It needs to be raised as an enforcement issue for us to raise that for because... Okay, fine. There being no other uh, urgent business on my part that I can see, I'll close the meeting at 10 to 4. Thank you.